I believe this morning's title says it all. Um, simple title, one word title, and I just titled it First. First. And the idea behind that is in our lives, what is truly, honestly, for once, if we could be honest, what's first? First in our lives. Most of us probably would say family. No, in an atmosphere like this, you'll say, oh, God. And that's what you're supposed to, you know. I don't have my little doggy head. Remember how it would just shake all the time and you give us those godly answers, and that's probably what I would answer. But in all reality, I don't think that's true. I really don't. To our shame, and also I think it's, it's to the, because of the era that we grew up in. Church is not what it used to be. It just isn't. And how we serve God is not like it used to be. All you got to do is read the book of Acts, and you find out how far we have wavered from the truth. And so we're going to look at this, and I told you a long time ago, I believe if my memory's right, it takes 45 square miles to turn one of the United States aircraft carriers around. If it's going in the wrong direction, it takes 45 square miles to turn that thing. So it's hard right for a long time to get that thing turned around. And I believe that that's where the American church is. Now, there's only a small, which the Lord would call a remnant, that really is turning hard right. And the rest kind of like the way they're going. So the whole idea is this 180-degree turn, hard right. And we're trying to really tap in to that power of God the Holy Ghost, the true power, not the fake power, the phony power, all that stuff that's going on in America makes me gag. Just does. And so, first... First, Matthew 6.33 simply says this, But seek ye first. Okay, now these are instructions on how you and I are to live. We know it says in Jeremiah, it's not in man. It's not in humanity to know what to do, how to live. It's not. You weren't created to be de independent. You were created to be dependent. Dependent upon God. You have to go to him for the wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Heavenly wisdom and knowledge and understanding. How to raise kids, how to conduct yourself, how to act, how to react, how to be married, stay married. The whole thing is, is to be dependent upon God. It's not in us to know what to do. And so God tells us right here in Matthew how you should conduct your lives. And we're not in America. Because God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean go to church. It's seeking first the kingdom of God and the things of God. What's my part in this? It's going after it. It's a longing, a craving, and a hunger. We don't have that in the American church. Maybe there's pockets of it, but we don't have it on the whole. And you can see by the condition of the nation that that kind of church is in. So God says, here it is. Seek ye first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness, doing that which is right. This tells us what to do right. And then it goes on and says, to all the things that we think are first, it goes on and says, and all these things shall be added unto all the things of life, all the various things that we need to sustain these little frail bodies and life that we have. But God says, the very first thing you must do, though, as a child of God, is to seek my kingdom first and my righteousness first, first. No, I don't think we do that. So, hard right. we got to try to do that. 
That's what the Word says. It's what God says. You and I are to conduct our lives according to the Word of God. So if other things keep trying to creep their way up, and they do in our lives, you got to say, uh-uh. That could be third, that could be fifth, that could be tenth. I don't know what it is. But first, this must be first. In a particular regard to the situation that Jesus is speaking to here, really, we must ask ourselves this question in all reality. Is physical well-being a worthy object to which I will devote my life to? Is physical well-being worthy to devote my life to it? If you say, well, yeah. The Bible says you're God's manna. God says, I'll give you what you need. If you think that, then then you're God is mammon. It really is. Your life will be cursed with worry, fear, and fret over this, over that. And we actually start to fall in the category like animals. Just get what you can get. What's yours? It's opposite on how God says to live. The Word says all these other things will be added unto you. All these other things. If you do not think your physical well-being is worthy, is a worthy object to live your life for, you then are going to enjoy a realm in God. You're going to be released from all this nonsense that we get caught up in in America. You really will. But as Americans, we're afraid of death to leave go of it. His promises of heavenly treasure, you can trust God. You can rest in his divine provision and peace that he'll get you over the hump or through the fire or over the flood, whatever it is that comes in. Or you can build out your own rope and paddle like heck. <laughs> or trust him. Matthew 6.31, in that same context, a little few verses up before we opened up with, Therefore, it says, because of that, take no thought. You know we don't do that. You got freezers in your refrigerator. You got freezers in your garages. You got freezers in your attic. And some of you have dug deep in the ground and got freezers in there so you can have food, food for the next eon. God says, what are you doing? I'm just showing you how far away we are from what God says. Seek me first, first. As if God, listen, do you think God has the ability to turn this into a meatloaf? I do. If it ever came to a point that I was going to starve to death and God still had work for me to do and I was forsaken and forlorn somewhere in the backwoods or something and I needed something to eat. God can take a squirrel and make him a meatloaf. Here, eat. Because I'm going to give you sustenance so that you can keep seeking me first. I don't have to have 20 freezers strapped to my back as I try to do a work for God. This is foreign in America. I know it. And God says this. As he comes in, he says, therefore. Here's another thing God's telling He's already told you what to do first. And now he's telling you what not to do. And he's saying, take no thought for everything that you've accumulated through this world. That's what he's saying. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or with all shall we be clothed? Now look, this is almost an argument against the sin of thoughtfulness. 
then I got to do this. I got to work that second job. If I can only get my wife out there and work. God says, what are you doing? You've got to get this. Take no thought for your life or the life of the body or what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Listen, listen. You have greater and better things to be taking thought of. Not about what flowers you're going to plant this spring. You have greater and better things, God says, that I want you to think about. Take no thought for that other stuff. Seek ye first. The American church doesn't. Oh, man, for the last dozen or 20 years, we're in it for what's ours. Total opposite of the gospel. To live, die. To receive, give. What? Total opposite of the American gospel. You want to be great? Serve. Be a slave. What? What? Makes no sense to the carnal Christian. So God's got an argument against thoughtfulness. Christmas is coming. What am I going to do? What am I? God says, what? What do you think? What do you think I am? Because we do not seek God first, we fall into this. Because we have fret and worry and mistrust and doubt. But as you seek God's first, all that comes into you and you're going, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is I'm going to do this. I'm going to serve God with my last breath. That's what needs to happen to this church. Luke 10, 40 says this, Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Now, the word cumbered about, I don't think I ever used that ever in my language. I didn't go for my box of cereal and say, Ruth, this closet is cumbered about. <laughs> okay, so as I looked that up, that word cumber, uh, cumbered about means, listen, listen, this is awesome, to be drawn around. To be drawn around. I don't want to be bothered with that, but I'm so cumbered about that it draws me. To be drawn around, to be drawn away from that which I'm called to do. Martha, what are you doing? Distracted. Listen, to be driven about mentally. I can't get it all done. In L.A., I'm on a road, there's 18 lanes. Kid not. Nine going this way, and motorcycles going in between them. And nine going that way. And I think, where are we all going? Where are we all going? It means, listen, listen, it means to be over-occupied. Johnny is not going to be a soccer star. Sally's not going to be a clogger champ or whatever they call that thing. Line star. You're, he's not going to be an idol. He's not going to be an X factor. He's not going to be a football star. As you got him in all these things, and then it dawns on you about a year and a half later, you have to run him around to all these things. And you don't even want to after a while, but you have to. You've started that. You put that in them. When ours was playing, you're not playing on Wednesday night, you're not playing on Sunday. And I don't care if you are going to be the next star. You're not. You're not. And if you get done late on Wednesday, you're coming in in your uniform. What's wrong with that? 
You think I would be appalled that your son walks in in a dirty baseball uniform on a Wednesday night? I'd be going, dude, thank you're here. Way to go. When they would schedule stuff on those certain days, I'd go look for whoever was scheduling them. What are you doing? Look, it's first. It's first. Occupied. Over-occupied. Too busy. That is the American believer. You're too busy to make an extra night to come and pray. You're too over-occupied to do another night to come and meet corporately on a Wednesday or even a Saturday night. Or even come back tonight. Or even think of maybe some meetings in the future. What? That's what we've fallen into. Hard right! <laughs> or you don't like this country. Because it's only the gospel that made this country. And it's only the gospel and the mercy of God that might keep this country. Might. I don't know if it's too late or not. Jesus, in answer, said unto Martha, Martha, as he saw her just going, just all over the place. And, and Mary's like, I don't know if she was sitting there taking notes on what the Lord said. Did he say, love your enemy? Oh, my gosh. And Martha's going, all over the place. And the Lord looks at her and goes, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. And he goes, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. All this running around and stuff, you know, every once in a while, I'll do, I'll do this kind of to joke, but I finally got seamless gutters. Took almost $1,000 to get them. So when it goes out of rain, I just go, ah, thank you, Lord, for my seamless gutters. I do. Every once in a while, Ruth will walk up, and this has been months ago. She don't, but I, I'll say, did you look at my seamless gutters today? <laughs> There'll come a day that Ruth and I will no longer be on this earth. Someone else will have the nerve to live in my house with my seamless gutters. Do you understand? All that I got, you, you want, you're not going to take any of that. That's not going to, it's okay. It makes the foundation safer. Yes, we strove, we got it done. That's cool, but... And there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm not going to be able to take none of that. That I have to be so overoccupied and busy and got to work that second job because we got to get that seamless whatever. And the church is getting weaker and weaker and weaker, and our nation is drifting further and further and further from God because no one will say, let's do this first. We won't. Okay, so... What kind of Christian are you for God? What kind are you? Martha Christian or a Mary Christian? It's kind of where it falls. Matthew 6.32 says, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all those things. No, he does I can't trust him, so i got to go do it. Now, God is a God of work. Get out and work. God says, don't eat. So we're not talking about you all going unemployment. You understand, right? you got enough godly maturity to understand what I'm saying. We put everything ahead of seeking God. Everything. And our nation's paying the price, and our church is losing the power in the presence of God. We're losing it. Now, Philippians 4.19 says this, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory, by Christ Jesus. That's what God said. And now you take that by faith. You go out there and work the best you can. 
however many hours you can work, and then whatever falls short, you just trust God. You stand on the Word of God. My God said He'll supply all my needs according to His riches. You don't know how, you don't know when, you don't know by what avenue, which way, it doesn't matter. You just say, I'm going to live according to the Word of God. In other words, God says, I will take care of your needs. Listen, so you will be freed up to work for me, to do what I've called you to do. God has invested His blood in you for a return. John 9, 4, the Lord says, I must work the works. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And you can see the night coming in our nation now more than ever. It's anti-stuff about God. You can see that more than ever. And the Lord's saying, I must work the works. I must. We need that in us. Now look, because we have not put God first like we should put God first, and the miraculous and the power and the supernatural is not there like it should be. Because the only reason why it's there is to do his work. Not so you sell books or become a traveling evangelist, but so that you can expand his kingdom. And when we grow this way, inward, the power backs away. While it is day, in other words, if we neglect our opportunities for service, you have a window right now. I've had a window for years, and being 62, maybe it's getting smaller, maybe it's real small. I don't know how much time. There's a window that I have to live in. And every year it goes by, just the way it is, like it or not. And so, if you neglect that time and that blessing that God has given you in the sphere of influence and the people around you, that in your window of time and opportunity, you could possibly reap for the kingdom of God, you'll miss it and they could be lost. I don't know who surrounded Kyle Williams' life. I don't know who his buddies are, who he runs into every day at school, or who he kind of knows, kind of sees the teachers. Who are, I don't know. He don't know in mine. But God's got him where he wants him, in that window. John 9, 5 says this about even about you and I. For as long as I am in the world... Think of this. For as long as I am in the world, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of it. That's powerful. My gosh, what a responsibility. It is our Father's will that I must work the works of Him that sent me. That's the will of God. You can bank on that one. Some we know. That's one you do know. Father sent His Son into the world and gave Him work to do. He gave the Lord the work to do. The cross was part of it. The redemption of man he, wasn't, he didn't come to just take a position, but to do business. How many times does a father hack out a business from nothing? Hacks it out, blood, sweat, and tears, always there. And somehow through life he has a son. The son finally becomes of age, and now he goes, father and son. Then the dad dies, and about eight years later the business is gone because the son didn't do anything. He didn't keep the business going. He didn't keep it running. He didn't keep it like it was supposed to be, like his father. That's what's going on. It's exactly what's going on. You remember when Jesus was a boy and his parents couldn't find him? And they were panicked? And they searched for him, it says, even in sorrow. Oh, my gosh, we lost him. And that fear has probably come across every parent that has raised a child. You look out, and there's little Sally just swinging on her cute, cute little pink swing. And you go put these dishes away, and you look back, and she's gone. And you run out there, and she's just over there in her little cute pink sandbox or whatever. 
We've all had that, and this is what was going on in their life. And when they saw him, they were amazed that his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing, thinking something happened. And he said unto them, uh, How is it that you sought me? Uh, do you even know I'm about my father's business? Can you say that? So what's your job? What's the church's mission? To win? Begins with this. Souls! To win them in your sphere of influence. And you got to come see this movie. You got to check out this dinner we have. You got to, whatever it takes to get them to hear the gospel. The church, for a lot of reasons, has stopped, unknown reason mainly, have stopped winning souls. We have. Told you over and over and over in the Western Hemisphere, Christianity, it's on a slide. Remember when I said 30,000 Chinese, can't remember if it was a day or a week, are coming to the Lord. I looked it back up. It's a day. 30,000 a day. Here, none. What happened? Because things have been smuggled in. They're falling in love with Jesus. They're seeing the scriptures and they're putting him first. Not here. We've had him forever. Listen. With what's happening in America, I do not believe it's a coincidence that the anointing and the power of God seems to be drying up in America. Seems to. And I just can't say it's dried up because there's still things that are happening in the mercy of God, but it certainly seems to be drying up. It seems that when the soul winning and the heart for things of God stop, the power stops. Because it isn't for your self-exaltation. It's for lifting Jesus up. we got to get back to that. Your life has got to get back to him first. God gives the anointing. Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus. Jesus laid down all his divinity to come down as a man. Remember I told you over and over and over, if he had a big God button, it wouldn't be fair, because I don't have the button. And God calls me to do what the Lord has done. So God took his button down and walked as man. And when he walked as man, putting Christ first, God says, God the Father anointed him like I need to be, like this church needs to be. So it says in Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. Holy Ghost, holy power who went about doing good, not foolishness like we see in our country, in healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. God was with him. God needs to be with us again, the church again. The definition of anointing, simple. And doing Christians with the gifts of the Holy Ghost. And when we're Martha, 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 we lose it. When it's self-consumption, we lose it. When we're distracted, we lose it. When we get back to first, it comes again. It's your choice. It's New Hope's choice. Hebrews 2.4 says, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will, not yours. Not yours, his there's so much phoniest going on that 
true people have run away from these things, run away from these scriptures. Leave the phonies up to God. Acts 6.8, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great works and miracles among the people. This is missing today. 1 Corinthians 14.12 says, Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. So many have become hungry for them, that they don't do the last part. It's an edifying of themselves or some type of personal triumph or some achievement or something, and God says, no, you do it for the church, that people can truly have a, a spiritual uh, harbor somewhere to pull in from life and get help, not some silly nonsense going on to get true help real help from God. Same scripture, New Living Translation says, and the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities that the Spirit gives, seek those which will strengthen the whole church. James 4 says this, you ask and you receive not because you ask amiss. We have to stop that. Amiss simply means improperly, wrongly, that you may consume it on your own lusts. you got to do this for God. You ask on your own miss. We ask for things amiss. You have to turn that thing right, all the way right. And say, God, if you want me to die for you, I'll die for you. That's why people don't want to do this. And at those moments and times, God will move in miraculous and powerful ways to sustain your life if he has to. If he still has work for you to do, he'll, he'll do it. But once you stop, it stops. And you have to be brain dead to not believe that they have huckstered the gospel to further their own kingdom in this land. And so the true power stops. So then the other thing they can do is make up power. Make up stuff that kind of reflects to that. I say, you look at me real spiritual, you get real spiritual. You know what I say to that? <clears throat> I can't stand it. We've got to turn it hard right and cry out to God. Say, God, whatever you want to do, we're in. Because it'll stop. If you don't do it God's way, it stops. And it has stopped. Case in point. Second Kings 4.1. It says, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, crying. Elisha means God is salvation. So he's a type of the Lord here. Saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditors come to take unto my two sons to be bondmen. So it's kind of a type where they're calling upon God and that who used to serve God in this nation, those true men of God are dead. And now the creditors are come and they're going to ravish us. We're so poor without it. It's the kind of shape the American Christian church is in. Verse 2 says, Elisha, who means God is salvation, said unto her, what shall I do for thee? He goes, tell me. Pray, seek, tell me, what should I do? What do you have in your house? Look at me. 
This is like the house of, what do you have in your house? I don't have any talents. I don't know. I don't read good. I can't do nothing. can't do a thing. Oh, God, I got this. Oh, they're all gone. Praise God we're using them. Oh, God, I, I got this little flask. I know you can't give it to me. That's what he, what do you got in your house? It's the first thing he asked. Thy handmaid hath not, thy handmaiden hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Look it up. It means small flask. God can't do nothing now, right? Can't turn my Bible into a hamburger. Can't do nothing with a small flask. Can't do nothing with else. America's gone too far. I'm too much of a jerk. What do you have in your house that you're willing to give God? New King James verse 3 says, Then he said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere. This is all she had, okay? The idea is there, maybe she has done, sold everything in her house to try to keep things together. Keep making ends meet. She has just sold dishes and putts and whatever she's had in her house, and now all she's got is this little flask of oil. Oil in the Word of God is a type of Holy Ghost. Type. Okay. Then he said, go and borrow vessels from everywhere. From all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. Don't come back with just a few. Don't come back half-hearted kind of. Eh. Borrow means to ask, inquire, borrow, and beg. I need you, God. Not, uh, oh, by the way, God, if it's a nice day, thank you, and can I have the Holy Ghost? What would you do if you were the dad? What? You don't want that. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask. And that word means beg, call for, Crave, desire, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, in order to find, is what that means. And I always use the example of us men. It's in there in the dresser, second drawer. No, it's not. You're not getting the Holy Ghost with that. You're not. It's Wednesday. You watch TV or whatever we do. I'm just trying to think of things that's sad, but we're not into seeking him first. Has it ever crossed your mind on a Wednesday or a Saturday or a Sunday night? If you ever, whatever you're into, has it ever come across your mind? Say, oh, you should be in church. You know, outside of your car has four flats, not one. You can change one. Seriously, I mean, you just see how we think. You, we just think, oh, I got so much to do on Monday. So you stay away from the house of God. What? He's the one that gives you all the ability to handle Monday. You, it, see, it's what we've been born into. And this is what we got. That's what we got. And I don't like that. You can't be happy with that. So what are we going to do? You start begging and calling out and making a desire and, and crying out and, and seeking to find. You shall find it and knock and it shall be opened unto you. What do you have in your house? This is all, Pastor. It came to pass, it says, he told her to go borrow every vessel and, and the vessels 
had to be empty, had to be prepared and ready. Couldn't be full of M&Ms or whatever. Had to be emptied. And if this little va- flask kept filling them all up. They had to be, how can this? Kept filling them, filling them, filling them. Go get some more. Filling them, filling them, filling them, filling them. But look, look, pay attention. Filling them. And when they stopped getting them, it stopped. It would have never stopped. Vessels. It would have never stopped. Filling them, filling them. If they had got six, six would have been full. If they got two, two would have been full. If they had got 6,950, they'd all, don't tell me you don't have nothing to do with the move of God in this nation. Because you're the vessels. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me yet a vessel. She was still going. He said unto her, there's not a vessel more. And the oil stopped. The Holy Ghost stopped. The power stopped. The miracle stopped because there's no more vessels. We haven't won hardly anybody to the Lord in this nation. The power stopped. The miraculous stopped. The flow of the oil stopped. So the oil ceased. The miracle was given according to the measure of faith in borrowing the vessels. Measure of faith. You come back with three. Well, I hope this, I, that flask is so, this is, this is like the stupidest thing I've ever, when someone else coming in with the big truck. <laughs> the measure of faith. He would have filled the three and he would have filled the truck full. You decide. You. Ah, this message is stupid. You have to decide. If she borrowed few, there would be little oil. If she borrowed many, she'd have a bunch of oil. She was herself. She was herself to measure out what she should have. You decide. You measure out. Bruce does. All recall what you're going to come up with. God, everything, everything, everything. Or just a corner of his heart. You decide. Just like she did. And when you stop, it stops. Guess that's all you want. Because you stopped. And that's what's happened in the church. We've stopped. And whatever the gospel portrays now, we want it up for our own lust. And God says, you're asking amiss. It's not, it's not for you. You're just a vessel to be used. I believe that you and I, in the manner of spiritual blessings from God have more to do with the measurement of our mercy than we think. The measurement of the, the blessing and the holding back of the nation than we think. We make our blessings little because we pray little. I don't know how you're going to do it, God. This is what I brought you. Just this. Fills it up. You still have this. It stops. You don't need any more. It's what you brought them. Martha or Mary? Listen, and we'll end with this. Have a little clip for you. One you've seen. The oil was intended for a prepared vessel. If I was in that house, can't do it here, just... (laughs) And I had these bottles of water, I'd be going, let it ruin. This is for the oil. For a prepared vessel. That's what the oil is for. Each vessel 
We're talking about you. Had to be prepared by gathering them. Those who didn't make it today are missing the Word of God today. Can't help it. They're just missing it. So they had to be gathered. Each vessel had to be prepared by being gathered and being assembled together, getting rid of the water, being emptied, being put in the right position, right position, lining up with the Word of God. you got to do all this. I can't even do it for you. When there was no more prepared vessels, the oil stopped. And that's what's happened. The move of God stopped. The miraculous has stopped. And the power of God has stopped. You ready to prepare your vessel? That's what our altar call is. Let's stand. I know we have visitors and guests here today, but that's okay. That's all right. God knew they were coming. They can prepare their vessel filled with whatever God wants to do and go wherever God has them planted. Title of the message is First. Maybe we should just come to the altar and say, God, what's first in my life? I don't know. It's probably not going to be God. Probably not. Just the way we are as Americans, it just is. So this is how you prepare your vessel. I mean, that's, that's the altar call. Come down here, prepare your vessel.